Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Continuing from the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the seerah, the biography of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we stopped at Al-Hijrah, the migration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we're looking at the lessons and examples we could take from the Hijrah, the migration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Mecca to Medina in terms of the strategy, planning, and execution of the Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this was very important, especially for us as expats that have left one place to go to another place. That what are the strategies? What are the planning? What are the ways of executing, migrating from one place to another place? And not only for us as expats, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when it comes to the issue of hijrah, issue of migration, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لا تنقطع حتى تنقطع The hijrah, migrating from one place to another is something that will never ever cease. Until what ceases? Repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا تَنْقَطِعُ التَّوْبَةِ حَتَّى تَطْلَعَ الشَّمْسِ مِنْ مَغْرِبِهَا And repentance will never cease until the sun rises from the, the west. مِنْ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ So hijrah is something which is continuous. And hijrah linguistically means what? To move from one place to another. Hijrah by sharia is to move from Darul Kufr, a land of Kufr, to a land of Al-Islam. And it's something which is continuous because there's many types of hijrah. It doesn't mean the only hijrah is Islamically to move from a place of complete kufr to a place of complete Islam. One of the types of hijrah is to move from a land of evil to a land of lesser evil. So when you move from certain communities and certain places to another place, people say even those things you can find over there, even this is there, but it is less. So when you're making hijrah, it's not utopia, but it is better in some cases than where you're coming from. And that's why they say there's hijrah from a land of bid'ah, innovation, to a land of what? Lesser bid'ah. So when you're leaving our countries, non-Muslim countries, where evil has become rampant, to the point that some places now, you get on a train, you have that rainbow-colored flag on the train this month. When you're leaving places like that to go to other Muslims' countries where they have evil but it is lesser, it is still what? Hijrah. Because this is Tablis or Iblis, one of the traps of shaitan that stops people leaving. That even there, there's this. Even there, there's that. But it is lesser. It is lesser. So the Prophet ﷺ from his Hijrah could learn the tactics, the planning, execution of Hijrah. And other than the execution of Hijrah, we said there's something else which is important, other than planning and strategy. And what is that? Al-awn min Allah, assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that comes in the form of what? Al-du'a. So we mentioned last week the du'a of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him to make when he was making hijrah that every migrant, every expat, everyone moving from one place to the other should know this du'a. And that du'a we said was in Surah Al-Isra, verse number 80. And that's the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you an easy entry, easy exit, and for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make for you of authority, a person in position that will do what? Nasira, that will aid you. Because as we mentioned, in these parts of the world especially, and everywhere else, what is needed? What they call vitamin W, wasita. It's not what you know, it is who you know. 
but you don't rely on it exclusively. You ask Allah Ta'ala to make for you a person who is nasira, who is in a position of authority to aid you. So we looked at the plan of the Prophet strategy in terms of timing. He chose the right time, confidentiality, surveillance, and counter-surveillance of the Prophet Who could give me an example of the surveillance method of the Prophet What did he use as surveillance? Now, the son of Bakr Siddiq who would tell, stay in Mecca, hear what they're saying, and then bring the news to me later. What was the counter-surveillance of the Prophet as Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr will come to the Prophet who would be behind him? Amir ibn Fuhayra. Why would he be behind him? He would be behind him, following him with the what? The cattle, the sheep, to wipe out the footsteps of Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr. So we looked at surveillance and counter-surveillance of the Prophet also, we looked at how to delegate and give people duties and responsibilities. And one of the people, the Prophet or Abu Bakr he delegated was a what? Muslim? Mushrik. To show the permissibility of hiring and using a non-Muslim if he's an expert in a particular thing. And there was nobody that knew the desert better than who? Abdullah ibn Urayqit. He was the best in knowing the desert. He took them on a route that nobody takes. So importance as a leader of delegation. Also, we looked at the sacrifices of Abu Bakr Siddiq in terms of his wealth, in terms of his family, and in terms of his own life for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So continue with the hijrah of the Prophet We said, when the Kuffar Quraysh, the Mushrikeen, they, they, they realized that the Prophet had left, they put out a bounty for the Prophet and this bounty was a massive bounty, a hundred what? hundred camels. And the most wealthy or the most uh, valued possession of the Arabs was what? The camels. It was like Lamborghinis or in our context today, the land cruisers of their time. The land cruisers of their time. So imagine someone say, give you a hundred land cruisers. If you go to Lulu, you go to Mega Mart, you find people and they do shopping, those raffles, even if it takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they're filling them out, hoping to win some. So imagine a hundred land cruisers. A hundred land cruisers. So they put out a bounty for the Prophet sallallahu that whoever brings him forth, dead or alive. It doesn't matter. Dead or alive. So they all went out. Different trackers, the best trackers of the desert went out looking for the Prophet sallallahu But due to the strategy of the Prophet sallallahu that he went southward before going north, they lost the Prophet sallallahu But with Jahal, he became more angry and more enraged by this. So he went to the different Nawadi. A Nadi is like a social club or social gathering of all the different Arabs to make this announcement that whoever brings Muhammad وسلم, dead or alive, Mi'ata Ibn. And the hadith is narrated by Abdurrahman ibn Malik al Mudliji. Abdurrahman is from the tribe of Al-Mudliji and he is the nephew of Suraqa ibn Malik Al-Ju'thum Al-Ju'shum. He said that his father, and his father is who to Suraqa, the brother of Suraqa, informed him that he heard Suraqa ibn Ju'shum saying, Ja'ana Rusulu Quraysh, the messengers of the Kuffar Quraysh that came to us. 
Meaning the news that they were spreading to Lufu Muhammad was not within the towns and the cities. It went as far as the A'rab, the Bedouins in the deepest part of the Sahara, to all the different tribes. He said the messengers of Quraysh, they came to us, the Kuffar of Quraysh. And they made for whoever a bounty finds Muhammad dead or alive a hundred camel. So he went on to say, that Bani Mudlij, Aqbala Rajulum Minuhum Hatta Kama Alaina. He said, Whilst I was sitting there, a man came from Bani Mudlij, meaning from his own tribe. While he was sitting there, in another direction, he said, Rajulum Minna, a man from amongst us, the tribe of Bani Mudlij, Hatta Wakafa Alaina, until this person stood in front of us. And this person, when he stood in front of Bani Mudlij and Suraqa ibn Malik was there, he said, This person, he said, Wallahi, Lakodro Eitu. I have seen three riders going past me right now. And verily, verily, Muhammad And I believe that is Muhammad and his companions. So he said this after the Kufar Quraysh announced his bounty. And Suraqa was a Ben Mudlij. Suraqa ibn Nufa said, he said, I started to signal it in with my eyes. And uskut, shut up, be quiet, be quiet. So he said, Thumma kultu. Then after he kept quiet, I said, He said, I said, Da innama hum banu fulan. It could only be such and such a tribe. Because in Arabic, when you say innama, and you find this in the Quran a lot, innama, innama is min turiq al hasar, to make something specific to one thing only. So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ The believers could only be الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ Those who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْتَابُ And after that, they have no doubt. So anyone other than that is not a what? Is not a believer. Or the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهِ The only people that fear Allah based on knowledge is who? الْعُلَمَاء so the word innama, it affirms that which is being mentioned and negates everything else. And that's why they say inna, it stands for assurity. And ma is what? Negation. So here Suraka said innama, it could only be Banu Fulan, nobody else. It could only be such and such a tribe. They're looking for a lost camel of theirs. That's the only people it could be. It could not be Muhammad and his companions. So when he said to the people, Suraka, to show a lack of eagerness for who they are, Suraqa ibn Malik, he said, after I said this to them, that I sat there for a while. I sat there. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not looking for them. He said, after I sat there for a while, he realized that, you know what, he's not in a hurry to go anywhere. He said, I sat for a while, then I entered my house. And I ordered my female slave to prepare for me my horse. So he knew for certain it was the Prophet and his companion. And Suraqa ibn Malik, in preparing himself, Suraqa ibn Malik said, I prepared for my horse to be prepared for me. And he said, And that horse was brought to me in the middle of the valleys. And I left my house in Duburu Hujrati. And I prepared also, sorry, for my weapons to be brought for me from behind the house, not from the front of the house. In the same way that Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and the Prophet left from the back, he left from the back. 
ثم أخذت كداحي التي أستقسم بها and then the last thing which is very important for the mushrikeen of those days the last thing he took with him was al-qidah or al-azlam which is like in the modern day version we call it the tarot cards or the Ouija board that they use it to ask the gods to predict the future whether they should do something or not do something and usually it'll be written on it if'al la taf'al do do not do and the one suraqah he had it was harm them do not harm them so he said I took this with me. That's very important for them on their journey. Sometimes they will not go on a journey at all. If he says, La they will not go on the journey. So he said, I took this with me, Qidahi. And he said, Falabastu la'mati. After that, I dressed myself in the war vest, meaning all the armor that he needed was with him. His sword, his dagger to protect himself from injury, the vest which they wear, the armor, and the spear. He said, I took everything with me. So he was going to kill the Prophet or bring him as a prisoner. Now Bakr al-Siddiq he said, I wore this and I went out. I continued. He said, but before I left, I threw the, what's it, qidah, to see what we told me to do. He said, when I threw my qidah, he says, he showed me, فَخَرَجَ saham الَّذِي akra. He showed me that which I did not want. And that was what? لَا يَضُرُّهُ You should not harm him. Meaning, do not proceed. He said, قال, But I was arju an aruddahu ala Quraysh fa'akhud mi'atanaqa. He said, But I was still hoping I'd be the one to get that hundred camels. Return him and get the hundred camels. Return from Salim al-Bakr. So he said, فَعَصَيْتُ I disobeyed the Islam. I disobeyed the Qidah. Whatever the prediction was, I disobeyed it. So I continued. So he said, I continued with my riding animals and riding with it fast. He said, I continue until all of a sudden he did something he never done before. He stumbled and I fell off the horse. At that point, what did he retreat to immediately? It's Qidah. He threw it again like a dice. And he said to him, Do not proceed. He said, No, I'm disobeying. 100 camels? He got back on top of his, of his horse and he started to ride. He said, A second time, he stumbled and I fell off it. And what did he do again? The Qidah. Do not proceed. And he proceeded. He said he proceeded until he came close and he could see the Prophet. ﷺ. He said, at this point, when I started to see the Prophet, ﷺ, he said, My horse is stumbled again. And he said, at this point, when he stumbled again, Thumma, the horse, the hands of the horse is sunk into the earth completely. And the hands here means the front part of it. It sank into the earth completely. He said, I pulled it up and I, and I was harsh with the horse. When I pulled it up and the legs of the horse or the front part came out, it came out with dukhan, with a smoke. Although it was from the heavens, said a smoke or i'sar or like a tornado. When he pulled out the horse's leg, it was a tornado. So now I couldn't see the Prophet In another relation, he said, Suraqah ibn Malik. He claimed so close, he came so close to the Prophet hatta sami'a, or hatta sami'tu, until I could hear Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was so close, he could hear the recitation of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said the Prophet was reciting. 
And it, although he knew there was somebody pursuing them, la yet tefet. He didn't turn left or right. He just continued to recite. He said, as for Abu Bakr radiallahu an, yukthiru iltifat. He was turning around constantly. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi did not turn. He said he came so close. And at that point, when the horse, his foot sank to the ground, he sank to the ground to the point that it was sunk to its knees, all the way to the knees. And when the smoke came up, Suraqah ibn Malik, he said at that point, fi nafsi, it became apparent to me. It became apparent to me when I was prevented from reaching them and he said it became apparent to me at that point that the affair that Muhammad sallallahu has come with is going to be victorious, no doubt about it. At that point, he started to shout out to them that allow me to see you. Then the Prophet sallallahu said to Abu Bakr, ask him what he wants. Suraqa, he said, no harm will come to you from me. Just allow me to come to you. When they permitted him to come, Suraqah ibn Malik, he asked the Prophet وسلم, something amazing, be amanin for security and protection. So now, from being the hunter to being the what? The hunted. He said, Uridu aman. I want from you security. What security does he want from the Prophet? He's being chased, he's on the run. Or Suraqah ibn Malik could just turn around and go back. Why does he need protection from the Prophet sallallahu He said he wants from the Prophet sallallahu al-aman. He wanted from the Prophet sallallahu al-aman, security. What security does he need from the Prophet sallallahu at this point? What do you think is the security he needed from the Prophet sallallahu What security? No. Based on what he mentioned previously, which is what? He knew for certain the Prophet is going to be victorious. It wasn't security for now or tomorrow or the next month or the next year, security for the future. He knew a time will come that the Prophet was going to be victorious. So the aman he wanted from the Prophet was not for now. He said, I want al aman. So the Prophet ordered Abdullah ibn Urayqit to write down from, for him on a piece of leather or parchment a man, a guarantee of protection or security to Suraqah. And he wrote it down on that parchment, on that piece of leather. And the Prophet ﷺ, he started to inform me that Look, your people are looking for you. And he offered food and everything to the Prophet ﷺ, he refused. So he said, what do you want me to do? He asked the Prophet what do you want me to do? He said, stop following our trail. Hide our trails. Do not follow us anymore. So Suraqah ibn Malik al-Ju'sham, he did not follow the Prophet and he went back. And he took with him that piece of al-aman, that piece of leather. Now Suraqah, in another narration, ibn Malik, when he pursued the Prophet ibn Abd al-Barr, and also Ibn Hajar in the narration said that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is said to Suraqah كَيْفَ بِكَ إِذَا لَبِسْتَ What would it be when you wear the bracelets of Kisra? And Suraqah Ibn Nawfal was shocked because what is Kisra? This was the empire or the emperor of who? The Persians that he had to ask the bracelets of who? Kisra because those emperors used to wear a lot of jewelries like that 
bracelet of Kisra. This is a man on the run. He has two people with him. And he's promising me the bracelet of the Persian or the emperor of Persia. The Prophet asked Suraqa this question. And Suraqa, that piece of leather which he kept, Suraqa, he went on to mention that that piece of leather, the Prophet as he felt, would be victorious in Zafir. He said, this piece of paper that the Prophet wrote on, or the piece of leather or parchment, he said, فَأَخَطْتُهُ فَأَجَعَلْتُهُ I took it and I put it in my power. ثُمَّ رَجَعْتُهُ فَسَكَتُهُ فَلَمْ أَذْكُرْ شَيْئًا مِمَّا كَانَ I went back to my people. I didn't mention anything at all what I'd witnessed from the Prophet He said the Prophet completed the hijrah. Then what happened, he said, and what happened after that was, فَتْحُ The conquest of what? The conquest of Makkah happened. He said, after the conquest of Mecca was Hunayn wa Ta'if. The conquest of Hunayn and Ta'if. This is many years later. So Suraqa said, فَخَرَجْتُمُ مَعِيَ كِتَابِ لِأَلْقَاهُ He said, when I heard about the conquest of Ta'if and Hunayn, he said, I went out with this parchment or this piece of leather or bone that the Prophet ﷺ wrote the Aman on to meet the Prophet ﷺ. He said, I met the Prophet ﷺ. And when I met him, surrounding him was the Ansar and the Muhajireen. He said, min ansar I entered to the camps of the Ansar. He said, when I entered, ilayka ilayka. Subhanallah, to show how much the Ansar, their love and the protection of the Prophet when they saw Suraqa, this tracker, this mushri coming, he said they started to poke me with their arrows, not to go near the Prophet Poking with the arrows, he move back, move back, move back. In the same way, you see modern bodyguards today, modern bodyguards to push people back. And we spoke about bullet catchers. Example of Bakr and how he protected the Prophet that he stuck his foot in the hole of the cave. Such were the Sahaba and the protection of the Prophet They didn't allow him to go near the Prophet They were pushing him back with the arrows. And even when you look at the conquest of Mecca, the way the Sahaba and the Prophet entered, they were fully in full armor, fully loaded. That some of them said when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was entering Mecca with the Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum That Abu Sufyan would be asking one of the companions It was a mushrik at that time, who is this? Because he couldn't recognize their faces They were fully covered from head to toe Fully covered from head to toe Some of them said they could only recognize the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for one thing And that's based on the description of who? Ummu Ma'bad And that's why that story of Ummu Ma'bad was important Which we did last week because it's the most detailed, in-depth description of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Hadith of Umu Ma'bad. Even though other Sahaba could have described the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, not Ali bin Abi Talib, because his children look like the Prophet Sallallahu And he's a cousin of the Prophet Sallallahu But Umu Ma'bad's description was the best description of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And other than Ali, there was Sahaba. Because the Sahaba is a person that met or saw the Prophet Sallallahu But why is it they could have described the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as Umu Ma'bad described him? Why? Why do you think that is? One of the reasons they say, like a Sahabi radiallahu anhu, he said, ma mi Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I never got a complete picture or looked at the Prophet completely. Out of shyness and reverence. You know, when you respect somebody, you hold them in high regard, it's very difficult to look at them. So the Sahabi radiallahu anhu, they could never look at the Prophet completely. So when the Prophet entered Mecca, they said, we could only recognize him for one thing. They said, min sawadi ayni from the blackness of his eyes. He was covered, they could only see the blackness of that eye. Because in the description of Muma'abad, the blackness of his eyes was what? Extremely black. 
So they were poking him, they were poking him with the arrows. Ilaika, Ilaika. So he said, when he entered, and they were poking him with their spears, sorry, not the arrows, saying, move back, move back. For the note me, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, I drew close. I was insistent. I drew close to the Prophet. And he said, Wallahi, ka'anni anzur ila saqihi fi gharzihi ka'annaha jumaratun. He said, when I drew close to the Prophet, he said, I noticed his saq, his shin in that part of where the, you put your foot by the camel. He said, I saw the shin of the Prophet. He said, the shin of the Prophet was like the inner part of the trunk or the date tree. The trunk of the date tree. When you split it open, what is it? White. Due to the whiteness of the shin of the Prophet. He said, رَفَعْتُ يَدَيَّ بِالْكِتَابِ ثُمَّ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ هَذَا كِتَابُكَ لِي أَنَا سُرَاقَةِ Ibn Ju'ashum. He said, this is the book that time you wrote for me. Guarantee of protection that you wrote for me on this piece of leather or this piece of bone. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. He said, at that point, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, اليوم يوم الوفاء والبر. Today is a day of fulfillment of promise and righteous deed. So he gave it to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He said, at that point, I accepted Islam. He said, فَأَسْلَمْتُ ثُمَّ تَذَكَّرْتُ شَيْئًا أَسْأَلْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So at that point, something came to my mind. I remembered I always wanted to ask the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. And what do you think? Now you've met the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, you accepted this time. What would be on your mind to ask him? He said, there's something I wanted to ask the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He said, يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ الضَّالَحْ مِنَ الْإِبْلِ تَغْشَى حِيَاضِي He said, there's a camel which, which is lost. And it comes to the fountain which I give water to my what? My own camels. Jayid, I said, and this fountain which my camels drink from, I've only filled it up for who? My camels. But this lost camel, he comes there and drinks from it all the time. Halli min ajri min an asqiha. Is there any reward for me at all? Every time this lost camel, he drinks or I give it water for my fountain, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, نعم في كل ذات كبد حر أجر Every single liver which you moisten, you get a reward for it. And that's why you find in the massage, people distribute what a lot? Water. That's why you find some people, the water that drops out from the AC in the back, they put it in a small bowl, especially in this weather for who? The cats. The stray cats to show subhanallah the emphasis of the sunnah when it comes to looking after animals and nowadays especially in the summertime we're in you're going to notice a lot of stray cats why people go on holiday they throw the cats out so this is what he wanted to ask the prophet and this part here it teaches the importance of looking after animals generally so he said i asked the prophet this question after accepting al Islam, it was said in the time of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu that when they had conquered and they had taken the treasures of the Persians, that in time of Umar radiallahu an, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to uh, Suraqa prior to, bika idha labasta, how would it be when you wear the bracelets of Kisra? He said, and then when Umar radiallahu anh, he captured 
to the treasures of Kisra. He called Suraqa. وَكَانَ Suraqa كَثِيرُ الشَّعَرِ He had a lot of hair. And he said, Umar radiallahu an, he put upon Suraqa's head the crown of Kisra on his head. And when he put the crown of Kisra upon his head, Umar radiallahu an, he also put on Suraqa the what? The bracelet of Kisra. And at that point, the Muslims, because that story became widespread amongst the Muslims, the place started to echo, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. To show from the Sunnah, in the Farahi, at the time of happiness, what to say is what? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And then Umar radiallahu an began to say, Alhamdulillahilladhi, all praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who seized it from Kisra, الَّذِي كَانَ يَقُولْ أَنَا رَبُّ النَّاسِ The one that used to say, I am the Lord of mankind. And made Suraqa ibn Malik Ju'shum A'rabi min bani Mudlij. Subhanallah. Made Suraqa ibn Malik ibn Ju'shum a desert Arab wear the bracelet and the Taj of Kisra. And after that, they took him around the Medina. And that was the slogan on that day. Around Medina, they put him on a horse with the crown of Kisra, the bracelet of Kisra, and they say, Alhamdulillahilladhi salabaha Kisra ibn Harumuz wa albasaha suraqa ibn Ju'shum a'rabiyyan min bani Mudlij. So suraqa accepted Islam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he continued upon his journey. And when the Ansar, they heard about the coming of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they were preparing for the entrance of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They said, we used to go to the outskirts, just to hear the Prophet was coming, outskirts of Medina every day waiting for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And nothing would cause us to go back in our houses except the excessive heat of the sun, waktu dhahira. So next week, Allah Ta'ala, we're going to look at the Prophet Sallallahu when he reaches a Quba, how the Ansar, they welcome the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And also, next week and the week after, the lessons we could take from Hijrah. And the reason I mention this is, I hope some of the brothers will be taking notes. And if you haven't been, at least try to watch the video online. Why? Because next week and the week after, not myself only, but even yourself, we're going to look at the lessons based on these things we learn from Hijrah, the different lessons we can extract from the Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Where's the incident of Umm Ma'bad? Whether it's about hiring a non-Muslim to do your work? Whether it's the incident of Suraqa, how Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala changes hearts and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala changes situations. From the lesson of this Hijrah alone, it was about 31 lessons only from this Hijrah. 31 different lessons, amazing lessons. So inshallah, next week we look at how the Ansar, they welcomed the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When they reached Quba, when they reached Medina. Also, the lesson from the Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Subhanakallah, bihamdika, shalwan la ilaha, antistaghfiratullah. Any questions, inshallah?